0: I'm Zach.
1: I'm Riff. And I'm Jim. And I'm Kevin. And I don't know how it sounded to you, listeners, but to me, those claps sounded very far apart. I wonder why that could be, Jim. Uh, perhaps they had to travel through the Earth's core.
0: It's possible. Yeah, there's a lot of magma in between uh, you and, and and me right now, between all of you guys and me.
2: If you hadn't tried to just travel straight down to get to your, uh, to your Australian appointment, maybe it would have been better but now there's just this
0: giant hole in the earth and all oceans are
1: you don't really have much of a choice when you find out you don't get wi-fi on those trans pacific flights
0: i didn't have wi-fi on my trans pacific flight it was terrible
1: yeah it's brutal what about the like trans uh core flights well the earth's core is a great uh transmitter
0: i see okay what's it transmitting to who's uh, who's listening to us
3: Uh, the tibetans that live in the hollow earth (laughs)
1: <laughs> if I knew more about electricity, I could make a ground joke here.
2: No. If if there was a hole all the way through the earth, could you just sort of jump into it, and gravity would like accelerate you down to the center of the earth and then shoot you back out the other side? But you would just come to a, a like a stop right at the other edge. Yeah,
3: they just put like a little like handlebar or a chin up bar. They're at the other they end would, of the holes you, you to and grab on.
0: Yeah. Just, Did you not see the remake of Total Recall? That was there was definitely that thing as a premise. Really? really? Yeah.
1: It was also in Super Mario Galaxy. Yeah, but yeah, that's actually something I, I I thought about like as a teenager is, is that would just be a really efficient way to travel by by way of hole. Yeah.
3: They'd probably have to have like some kind of special robot to clean out all the vomit.
1: Yeah. Well, you would you would come with you. Like you would you would puke and then like it would just hang next to your head. Oh no. Until you reach the surface. Would it? Cuz it would leave you with some velocity. Oh yeah, you would uh. probably, probably hit the wall.
2: Depends on how wide the tunnel is and right, whether there was right. wind resistance. Cuz wind resistance would do a lot to right, screw you up on also, the way out. Right. That would also that oh,
1: yeah. would also would affect. Like wind if there resistance were a wind like, resistance you then fire? you wouldn't make it to the surface. <laughs> <laughs> Well no, because skydivers don't catch on fire. You just wouldn't get that fast. Oh, uh, okay. You wouldn't get fast enough to eject. You would just get caught in the core. Which is pretty hot. Not if it's hollow. Uh, and
0: okay. this is episode three hundred and seven of Video Games Hot Dog, a podcast about video games. <laughs> <laughs> This, um, there is a significant amount of telephone delay in between us, and that is going to make this extremely awkward. Um, I am uh, currently in Melbourne, Australia, uh, for PAX Australia, and we weren't sure that uh, we were even going to be able to do a show with me on it, but apparently we are, and it's going to be bad.
1: But what time is it there?
0: It's like noon. It's th- Thursday night. <laughs> is it spring? Yeah, it's, noon to- it's noon tomorrow from where you are. Yeah, and it is spring. It's very gloomy. Uh, and rainy oh well that's just like here and so far being in melbourne is like being in any other city anywhere else on earth uh it's not there's not a lot of uh, evidence that it is australia we did go to this market today where they sold a lot of decorative boomerangs and didgeridoos and a lot of things that Mm, claim to be made out of kangaroo (laughs) leather
3: are are you sure? Why they, why would that be a lie? Are you sure that the airplane actually took you to a different place and this isn't just a huge gas lamp operation? They just the made like a fake set.
0: International flight. I never saw anything out any of the windows because I was sitting kind of uh-huh. in towards the middle of towards the middle of the plane and directly over the wing. So even out the windows that I could see out of, all I could see was wing. So it's possible that we weren't even in the air. There was just a TV. With a little movie of a plane, you know, flying across the ocean, but we didn't actually. That explains why I'm not jet lagged.
2: That's a really long flight. It sounds like it
0: was to fi- fly all
2: the way across the Pacific
0: 15 Ocean. Fifteen hours. It's pretty bad. I don't like flying, and I don't like spending fifteen <laughs> hours doing anything.
1: Why? Why didn't you bring the Switch? It seems like it would be perfect for that flight.
0: Eh, because I'm on. You know, I I'm going to be spending a couple of weeks in Australia, and I didn't want to spend a bunch of that time playing video games. You know, I wanted to actually experience the thrill of international travel and uh, rediscover boredom.
1: Right, but it's <laughs> it's region locked. You can't play it in Australia.
3: <laughs> oh, I see.
2: Cool. So would, it, would that mean it would turn off as soon as you got into international waters?
1: Yeah, the Nintendo hates you that
0: much. Uh,
3: you just have to turn it upside down.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: It just yeah. none of the rules apply anymore, so like you can jump as high as you want and... <laughs> <laughs> international waters if you think about it is really like a game genie for real life
2: oh if all you had to do was sail out to international waters and then you could literally just jump as high as you wanted i would totally get on a boat
1: and do that <laughs> right now but yeah you would you would jump and then the trick would be landing on the boat again that's why nobody does it Oh, that's, no, that's, that's, that's why true. spacex
0: has been yeah it's been uh, you know people have been trying to solve that problem for forever
3: it'd be all right though because you can also have infinite lives Yay! So, Riff, what have you been up to? Uh, let's see. I went to um, the Portland Retro Games Expo. Was this last weekend? So, I how went, was it? Went to that. It was pretty good. Um, the they had a bunch of uh, like old. Um, like, analog, mechanical pinball machines that were pretty neat. They had... Oh, so, like, without the digital... Yeah, without, any kind without like, of like the digital display and, and all the the electronics okay. tricks. So, it was all, like, electrical and mechanical tricks. They, they had, like, a couple of mechanics that I've never actually seen before in, like, a modern pinball. Because they had, like... Um, you know, like the, there is one machine, you know, the, how when you're playing pinball, you do that move where you like hold the flipper up to like catch the ball so you can take a second and think about, you know, where you want to aim to, to shoot it. There is one, uh, machine that had like little pits with, with kickback, uh, kickback hammers or whatever they're called in them, like right behind the flipper. So if you tried to to flip the flipper up to to hold the ball it would just roll backwards into this thing and get shot straight back out into the play field so you just you just couldn't huh. catch the ball ever it made the game a whole lot harder it was crazy and there was another one I feel like I could see early you know
2: pinball designers thinking that the like catching and catching and holding onto the ball was like an exploit right yeah, and so it was this was like, like somebody's attempt yeah. to.
3: Yeah, it definitely makes it a lot more challenging because like if you if you flip a flipper up or or rather if you have a flipper up as the ball is coming towards it and like drop the flipper just as I'm probably not describing the actual motions exactly right. But there's a trick you can do with getting the flipper to interact with the ball with just the right timing so that the flicker the flipper. Absorbs the momentum of the ball, and it just kind of stops. And if you're really good mm-hmm. and can do that consistently, you can you can use that trick on this machine to get a little bit of of aim time because you get as long as it takes for the ball to roll down the flipper at a normal speed. But uh, hmm. but I think the but, ability uh, to catch y-
0: the ball like that and then send it off at an angle of your choosing is one of the like because people thought that that was good i think that is one of the reasons that modern pinball table design kind of ossified into what we think of as a as a normal pinball machine because like that yeah. then allows you to do a lot more complicated stuff with the game if you know that a skilled player is going to be able to make a lot of choices about where they're sending the ball off to
3: yeah definitely
1: i ima- i can imagine like that being one of the early responses to like we think this is an exploit and here are all the ways that the game breaks if you let people do this. Like, for example, is there any, would like, do modern pinball tables have any sort of, um, counter to, like, I guess this isn't really a way to succeed, but, like, <laughs> if you catch the ball and you just hold it forever, does it let you? Can you just keep the game going that long, as long as you want, or does it, like, I, does, that, does that presume the player's going to get bored at some point and then want to keep playing?
3: I know there's often a mechanism where the a modern table will notice that that nothing has happened for a while, and it will assume that a ball has gotten stuck somewhere, and it'll start hammering all the all the kickbacks and flippers to try and find it and knock it back out into play. Uh, I don't know right. if that. I don't know if they like. Uh. Uh. uh have an exception for if a flipper is already being held in so yeah I, don't, yeah I don't know
2: how
0: those things are programmed
2: if only we had access to some pinball machines that we could <laughs> try this out. On.
3: do they have pinball in Australia
0: I haven't seen any yet but I haven't been here for very long
3: there is another table that had this crazy deal where um, instead of uh, instead of like you know how most tables have a thing where you can activate like a a safety mode where either it'll pop up a little pillar between the two main flippers so that your ball can't drain out or else it will just say, you know, your ball is safe. So if it drains out, it just pops you another one automatically. This machine had a setup where there where the, it had the two flippers were like, they were really short flippers and the uh, the the main gap between them was real wide, but they were on like rails and there were targets on the board that would cause the flippers to move in and out on these rails so that they would switch huh. between being all the way out. So the, the drain is super large or all the way in. So the drain is so narrow that the ball doesn't fit between them. Can the ball fall wow. on the outside of them when they're on the
0: interior of the rail?
3: No, no, it couldn't. The the only way it could the only way that you'd lose the ball in that situation is if you had like one flipper up so that it would it would go underneath.
0: And there weren't any drains on the sides?
3: Uh there were, yeah. It had the typical side drains, but the, okay. they they weren't drains like behind the flippers, you know what I That's mean? That's cool.
1: Yeah, I feel like Yeah, it was awesome. I feel like pinball kind of started out as just a gambling machine thing and then slowly evolved
0: into a game of skill. Yeah, it was like adding flippers to a pachinko machine.
3: Yeah, that there is like uh the, the all the bands and so on, like how they got how the pinball industry eventually got like pinball to not be banned anymore in places was basically by like the pinball experts challenging judges to matches to prove that, that there was <laughs> skill involved
1: <laughs> right yeah I, I i can see though like the, in terms of the evolution of of the game like if it starts out as a game of pure chance then adding like tiny anemic flippers to the edges to give you just a little bit of control seems like a reasonable evolution
3: yeah it was it was neat i i would have been a little more impressed if if it was a little more, uh, incremental, like if instead of being just all the way in or all the way out, like the targets would cause them to move one way or, or one either forward or back just a little bit so that they would gradually get closer and closer or further and further as you played. But I don't know, I don't, right. I don't, I don't know how, or- how those sorts of mechanical or electric switches work. So maybe that just wasn't a thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, or maybe like there's uh a dial where you choose how far apart they are, but that's also affect your score multiplier.
3: Oh, neat. Yeah.
1: Did you guys play uh iRobot? Yeah. The arcade game? Yeah. Like I I I might have misunderstood that when I was playing it, but it was, it was one of the first 3D games if not the first, and it if if I was reading it right, there was just a slider for how whether the camera was like over the shoulder, uh, and it would, it would, uh, interpolate between that and like top down, like a, like basically like looking at Pac Man. Um, and you could, you had a huge advantage of being able to see the whole playfield more precisely when you were looking at, looking at it top down, but you would also score fewer points.
3: Hmm. Is that, is that like, a, I thought was like a, really a dip switch option or?
1: No, that was like something available to the player.
3: Oh wow. I've never like, seen that
1: as they were like and this might have been like uh I, I, this was at California Extreme, so maybe this was like a hack someone oh, okay. had made to this particular uh iRobot Cabinet or something. Or maybe I hallucinated the whole thing, <laughs> which has happened in the past, where I invent game features that don't exist.
0: Like the game length slider and system shock. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> The slider length slider and
2: camp sleigh
1: away camp or whatever. <laughs> right? Yeah, well, that, that one existed.
0: Man, I forgot to tell you guys the <clears throat> other day. I was playing some game that had oh, it was the Evil Within two. It had a mouse sensitivity slider that was hooked up to update the mouse sensitivity in real time. So just setting the slider <laughs> was this amazing adventure. <laughs>
3: This that sounds really good. good. It
0: made me want every mouse sensitivity slider I ever encountered to be like that.
1: <laughs> I had sort of the opposite, not exactly, but sort of the opposite uh, adventure in um Evil Within 2 where like Evil Within would started, it started playing these sounds out of my controller and they were always like startling and I couldn't figure out what they meant. So I looked into the options to see if I could turn it off. And there's was this option to turn it off, but you have to restart the game to, uh, for it to take effect for it. Yes. It, it's well, it, what, actually what it said was that you can only change this option on the title screen. Okay. Um, so it had the opposite of like, they put all of their real time update work into updating the mouse in real time <laughs> and none on this.
2: What, uh, what have you been up to, Jim?
1: Uh I've been um working pretty hard to finish my um Half-Life 3 jam game. Is that ending soon that jam? That or... ends at the end of October. So okay. like I'm going to be um I'm going to be trying to finish it while Mario Odyssey is out and waiting for me uh, to play it. <laughs> so that's going to be annoying.
0: Have you considered a marshmallow experiment kind of uh thing where you just don't play Super Mario Odyssey?
1: Uh well that's sort of what my Mario moratorium was. It was me, like, deciding, like, I need to stop playing Mario games. I guess that was because I wasn't enjoying them, though. So it's not exactly a marshmallow experiment thing.
3: Is a Mario moratorium similar to a Memento Mario?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Very similar, yes, where Mario games are dead to me, and I think about them all the time.
0: Always remember that your princess is in another castle.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um... It's been interesting. So I, I, this is the first game that I've put any effort into where you're, like, moving around a 3D space. um, And I am discovering all the pitfalls of making a game in 3D where, like, just... Pitfall wasn't in 3D. If only, <laughs> yeah. Uh, where, like, you can't put a thing behind another thing because then the player can't see it. Okay. Um, and like, it's basically impossible to, like, to write a camera where such that camera AI such that you can see things. (laughs) Um, it's it's been like very very eye opening in terms of like yeah I can like jump around a three D space like my my first experiment was like I built a simple level like from a certain camera angle and then I wrote some code to have a a character bouncing around on that level and it was like the initial feeling of it was like this is great this is like this is basically just like 2d programming but it, uh, there's an within there's an extra axis and i can like do squash squash and stretch instead of animation and it like because it's vector art it, it still looks pretty good um and uh and then as soon as i tried to add any actual 3dness to it like there is a, a, a platform above this other platform. Oh, suddenly you can't see below that platform. And that's a big deal for gameplay because like if things happen below that platform, then you, the player just can't see it. And so you have to design around that. Um, and it's been very, very weird, very like, and these are, these are, these are problems that I have watched game developers grapple with for 20 years. Um, and you're, you're deriving them from first principles now. (laughs) And like, I've always known it was, it's probably a tough problem because everybody sucks at this. Um, but I never knew like just how much it, how tough it is in detail. And also it meant it, I realized that like games that, um, are in first person have such an easy time of this. Because they don't have to think about camera at all. It's just like, that's where the oh. player is. And then the player chooses what direction they look. And, like, that's that, that's it's basically easy mode for 3D game development. Yeah, but who
0: wants a first-person Half-Life game? Pff. Yeah,
1: seriously. <laughs> <laughs> could you not set the camera to be first-person? Uh, I could, but it wouldn't match the level design very well. Okay.
0: What if you just had a first-person camera... But a third person character that you were controlling. So like maybe you had like a foot pedal that switched the controls between moving the camera around and moving the character around.
1: Okay. Like you mean like like uh like your robotic operating buddy. Yeah. I, th- I think that's uh that's something that I could do for the next game jam, because I've already got my work cut out for me for this for this one. But yeah, this is, uh, this is something that I am hopefully launching on the thirty first, um, and uh, will it be spooky at all? I mean, any game with head crabs in it is at least kind of spooky. Okay. I found the uh, the um, there's Unity provides uh, a selection of post processing filters, one of which is chromatic aberration. That's pretty spooky, so I turned that on.
0: Is that where it, like, eerily splits the color channels?
1: Yeah, further and further as it gets from the center of the screen, like an old shitty lens. Oh, huh. And, like, apparently every game that does this does it way too much because it looks kind of cool. Are you saying that you should you should use things that look cool sparingly so that they remain cool? <laughs> uh, basically, I do it so that photographers won't yell at you for, like, for doing something that that's not what movies look like.
2: But video games don't have to be movies. They don't have to aspire to be movies.
1: You're supposed to play the role of the photographer now and be angry that some games don't look like movies. Eh. Yeah. Okay, fine. There are a lot of photographs that don't look like
2: photographs. Oh, man. Right? Like, people broke out of that, like, convention very quickly. Yeah.
0: I personally don't think there are be good any point. photographs that don't look like Phil Collins. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Is that why your Tumblr is the same picture of Phil Collins every day? Yep. Uh, Zach and I went to the Computer History Museum uh, this past week. It was uh,
1: in, uh, in what?
2: San Jose? Did you learn Jose about or... the
3: computer wars?
2: We did, yeah. The, all the, the, the fights between the ones and the zeros. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think, I think I've been to that museum. It's a lot of fun.
2: It's really cool. Uh, it's a lot bigger than I was expecting. And uh, there's a lot of stuff in there and so i didn't get as as much i I feel like if i had if i had known i probably would have well i don't know like spending four hours reading stuff in a museum is exhausting it's true in a way that i don't exactly understand um so spending two hours doing that and feeling like you're missing a bunch of stuff is probably still a better experience than because it'll still be there brain dead yeah yeah in fact like it felt like a lot of the displays were already out of date. Oh, yeah. Uh, like, a lot of them sort of had timelines of computer history, and they stopped in the early 2000s or, like, 2010 or something. And I was like,
1: well... Oh, yeah. The, the historical stuff is more interesting anyway. <laughs> sure. Like, Like, the... Uh, I don't remember... I think this was, like a, like, a radar operator terminal that had mm-hmm. an ashtray built into it. <laughs> <laughs> which... Just, just that—that's what life was like.
0: That would be great. I wish my computer had an ashtray built into it.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, it does, it could. You, just Do you eject you the CD-ROM the CD CD and yeah. then, yeah,
0: you open you open the DVD <laughs> tray, but then you ash your cigar into it, and the ashes just fall through into your coffee.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I replaced the the mug holder on my laptop with a uh, SSD drive. What what can you can you use that as like
2: a Heating element? Can you, like, warm food on that maybe? or and I just stick the food
1: next to the vent?
2: Okay. Like a convection oven. Your laptop right. is also a convection oven. Right. You just have to have it think about a, a hard problem.
1: Oh, man. When I think about a hard problem, my head heats up, too.
0: <laughs> have you...
3: <laughs> so you could just put food in your mouth and then cook it.
0: <laughs> uh. <laughs> or you could wear a hat made out of prosciutto.
1: Ugh. I don't know what that has to do with anything, Zach. But it's incredibly gross.
0: <laughs> well, it, then you would cook it by thinking hard, and then you would have, I guess, would it be a cooked prosciutto, which is not really a thing, I guess.
1: Proche, prochepo, pro proche, Is that like a, is it like a pun in French?
2: Uh, maybe. I probably not.
0: <laughs> a fudora.
1: Uh oh. <laughs> fudora.
2: <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Uh, we've got a whole new class of KOL items to to
1: make now. Uh, have you played any video games, Jim? Uh, I played a bunch of Evil Within two. Okay, it's it's pretty good. It's, so, uh, can we take a step back? What was Evil Within one? I have I, no idea. Okay. Um, so, what I know about Evil Within one is that it was a survival horror game uh, helmed by Shinji Mikami, who made the good Resident Evil games. Okay. Which are say one and four. Um. And so it had that pedigree there like and and I the way I perceived its reception was that like this is a game that people who like survival horror games like and so I was like okay I'll let them play it <laughs> um and uh the, the the sequel was apparently I don't remember the guy's name but Shinji Mikami stepped back into like a producer role uh, and the sequel was helmed by a westerner which like I like just from just from playing it it does feel more like a Gears of War kind of a thing okay um which is a it's it's a weird you know it's it's a fuzzy fuzzy gray area because gears of war was also clearly inspired by like Resident Evil 4 you know so uh, but it is definitely more actiony than in most survival horror games um but um evil within two is also more of um and I think you said this last week, Zach. But like, it, there's definitely like an hour, hour and a half of like, here's a linear story, and then it opens up a bit. Like, and I am now, I've, I've, I'm I've at the point where I've spent like 45 minutes into the open area, and it feels pretty open. It's, I was actually really surprised with like, I just picked the direction and I walked in it, and I could just go there, and I'm, I'm just going through this town full of, you know. Mm-hmm horrible things and going into whatever house I feel like and there is something interesting in it.
3: I've been, I've been uh, watching, I was really impressed. I've been watching Lobos Jr. Uh, play it on YouTube and uh, it seems like the the monsters in that open area like don't respawn until like a certain event like right when you're done with that area. So that was, oh, that was kind of impressive because he was just, he just cleared an area out and then the next time he was walking through that area to get to another place, there was just nobody there.
0: <laughs> yeah, it has that yeah, nice yeah. feeling. That of makes like sense. A single life of Dark Souls, where it's like, all right, I've killed this guy, now I can walk through here. Yeah,
3: um, yeah,
1: right. And it also like it. This is this is like uh, maybe thinking too hard about the game, but um, the fact that I can do this stuff in any order makes it feel less like um, the game has my back in terms of, like, they're not going to throw something at me that I am i don't have the resources to handle because I could a- approach any of this stuff at any time. And it, it's not, like, in a linear game where they say, well, this next part's going to be hard, so here's a bunch of ammo. Hmm. You have to actually go proactively find the ammo, and you're not sure that, like, there is any given encounter is within your capability
3: there is some of that i feel like but it's 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 on like a wider scope because the this open area you're in is like one chapter and when you move on to another yeah. chapter you're going to be moving to a different location and can't go back for a while so so it kind of right yeah so it's like it instead of it being like instead of it being like Rooms and you're you're funneled from one room to the next and you can't go back to the previous room, it's fairly open areas, but you're funneled from one open area to the next and you can't go back to the previous one.
0: Yeah, and there definitely are some more linear right. segments later where you do, like, ah, well, fuck. There's going to be a boss fight at the end of this hallway because this hallway is full of ammo.
3: Yeah. Right. Or, or like this is, or this, this hallway has, has changed into the type of scenery that indicates this plot element guy. So now I'm going to have to fight a thing.
1: Yeah. I had definitely heard that like the whole game isn't like this, which is a little disappointing because like, while I basically enjoyed like the, the, the haunted house, like linear, um, Just here's a bunch of stuff happening in a row. I definitely feel like this is a lot more interesting in terms of like, and I played this game because I was like, I want to try this weird, new, interesting thing and maybe learn from it as a designer. And I I feel like I wasn't getting much in, in those terms. I wasn't getting much out of the linear haunted house. So like, if it gets, if it goes back into that for a while, I might put it down.
0: It goes back and forth.
1: Okay. All right. How, how many times does that happen, do you think?
0: I got to a second, somewhat less dense open area, and then what may be a third one, but I can't really tell. Um, the third one is like an outdoorsy area, it's like a, a more natural area, so I don't
3: hmm. know
0: that there's going to be as much opportunity for, for openness, and it's started out pretty linear at least,
3: but. The LP I'm watching hasn't got that far, so I don't, I don't have anything to add to that.
1: One thing I wanted to bring up that this game did was um when I was loading my save, it asked me if I was sure, I supposed to a screenshot of this to Twitter, it asked me if I was sure I wanted to load my ro- most recent save, because if I made progress, auto-saves would be overwritten.
2: Oh, huh, okay.
1: Which, like, I'm not really sure what that
2: means well so like let's say you you saved 10 minutes ago but there was an auto save five minutes ago but that would then be my most recent save Uh, not necessarily it's i think it was asking if you wanted to load your can you not
1: save the game manually you can but like when it when i said yes i wasn't at my um i wasn't at a save point i wasn't at one of the manual save points i was in an auto save or at least what I would call an auto save. I don't know what the, this, this, it, it feels like this is like, um, that is weird then this might be one of those things where like they have internal names for a thing that don't quite match up with everyone else's name for a thing. This is like how April's been playing destiny and destiny has all these, like we call it the, like they call, um, they have, they, they use the word shader to refer to like. Dyes for your costumes. Mm, okay. So, like, if you're wearing a, wearing okay. some armor, you can use a shader to color the armor or something else. No. Um, quests are called adventures, except uh, sometimes uh, they're called missions, no. and I haven't figured out what the difference is. Um, <laughs> and, and Destiny is full of that stuff. Um, so this might be a case like that where like isn't the you just the have best to, gear the light gear too? The like you, you yeah you have a, like a light level. Yeah. Which is, as your gear level, like you have a separate, like, you have your experience level and then you have your light level. And as you level up, your experience level goes up. And then as you get better armor, your light level goes up. Um, and it's, it seems like, it, it, it did, it does feel like how I felt about, uh, World of Warcraft when I was playing it, which was the, this is just a very long learning curve where you're gonna, like, have to play this game for a long time to understand what's actually happening, Hmm. uh, which works because you play World of Warcraft for a very long time. Um, I don't know if Destiny is going to hold up for that, for like the 500 hours over a year kind of experience. There were
0: definitely people who played a lot of
1: it. That's true. Um,
0: She's playing Destiny 2, right?
1: Uh yes, she's playing Destiny 2. I, it seems like, um, all and, of the- like, yeah, I don't know how it's. On
0: podcasts that are talking about it that started playing on the console version that came out, what, like a month ago, are basically saying that they so, don't feel like they have anything left to do at this point.
1: Yeah, so I don't really know how it's structured for sure, but like, there is a planet select menu that she has f- like five of six planets filled out. Um, so I get the impression that she's coming up on the end of the campaign and she hasn't been playing for that long. So like, yeah, I don't know. Um, first of all, I didn't know before she started playing that there was a campaign. I didn't know that was a thing. Like, um, so it's been a little, it's been kind of educational to just occasionally look over her shoulder.
0: When I played the demo of uh, it, it had like kind of drop in, drop out multiplayer. Like every once in a while, I would go into a combat arena, and it would be me and three other people fighting against waves of yeah. aliens. But then, like one of them would disappear, and then yeah. a different person would spawn in. Is it? Is the? Does the campaign have that kind of thing?
1: So it's weird. Like there's some of that, but. The, the bulk of what I've seen her play is solo. Uh, but I think you can group up to take on those missions, and she just hasn't been because uh, we don't know other people who are playing the game at the same time. Um, you know Felix and them, right? Uh, I, I'm not uh, PlayStation friends with Felix and uh. them. Um. But also, it's not me. So, like, it would be sure. like me saying, why don't you two, who I both, yeah, anyway. Yeah. Um, but there are also, uh, MMO style zones where, like, it, it feels a lot like, you know, Oh, this is Ironforge, where, like, there's a bunch of people, like, dressed in, like, bizarre outfits, running around talking to NPCs. And sometimes you dance at each other. And, um, then sometimes you have a, like, a neat social interaction where, like, you run in circles around each other, and one of you runs off and ch- jumps on the rooftops, and then the other person follows them for a while because that's entertaining. Um, and then you go, you like, there are, and, and then you can go do like a, a, a world event equivalent thing where, like, oh, there's people over here fighting a tough looking boss. I'll go join them, um, and probably not help, but I'll get credit for it anyway because I was there. <laughs> Cause everybody's higher level than me. Um, it, it, it's, it's weird. Like how it, it'll like, it'll have those. And then it'll also have, Oh, I'm going on this mission. That's basically a halo level. Um, then presumably I can bring my friends along. One thing I was really surprised about, and this is by the way, like in case I didn't make this clear, I'm not playing this game and I have no plans to, <laughs> um, this is just like my observations of my wife playing the game. Um, but, uh, I was surprised that there's no split screen.
2: Yeah. The the couples that I know that have played co-op locally just had two TVs.
1: And, and two yep. consoles as well. Yep. Yeah. Um, which is especially dumb because you can't... I don't, as far as I know, you can't play like... Uh, if you have like an Xbox One and a PS4, you can't play together.
2: Oh, jeez. Yeah, wow.
1: You have to have two of, of one of them.
2: <clears throat> is uh, it really the population is...
1: S- Totally separate by platform. I believe that's uh, when uh, Microsoft was uh, the dominant platform; that was their rule, and now that they are not the dominant platform, they've relaxed that rule and allow cross-play. With now Sony doesn't, because they're the dominant platform. Like at, at least I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what that's my reading on it. Huh. Um, there was a game recently that I'm trying to remember the name of that, like, had cross-play. Like, and then they they patched it out, and it was just like, "Oop, that was a mistake." See, this is why we wow. should just let
0: Nintendo uh, be in charge of the way consoles behave online,
1: <laughs> right?
2: It feels like the Nintendo ethos is like very slow to adapt, but when they do it, they do something interesting and
1: new. They, yeah, they definitely do something interesting and new. Like, I, I've also been watching uh, April play Splatoon. Mm. Um, and that game. Also Splatoon 2. Uh, Splatoon 2, yes. Yeah. Not Splatoon. Splatoon not Destiny, 2. Not Splatoon. Um, and, uh, that's another game that, like, it looks like it's fun and well designed and some of the design decisions are just baffling. Oh, yeah? Like, there's a, there's a, um, there are two modes. I forget what they're both called. One of them is, like, ranked mode where you, like, you level up and our are matched mate, le- uh, you match make against like people, other people with your ranking, I think. Uh, and there are three game types locked behind that mode. You can only play those three game types. I think it's three. Uh, if you're playing ranked. Okay. Um, And it selects between them randomly. Like, you don't uh-huh. choose which one of those things. And then the other mode is more like a more casual mode where there isn't the matchmaking, I think. And that's just an entirely different game type. And so, like, I don't know why these choices are, like, the, are lumped together. And I don't know why, like, why wouldn't you just be able to pick what kind of game mode you're playing also, voice chat happens like over an app on your phone. Like if you want to group up with other players, you can do so, but you can't chat with them unless you link your Nintendo account to an app on your phone and then you talk to the other players on the phone. So why don't you just call them on the phone is not clear. Um, also, if you're grouped up with other players, they will put you all in the same match, but not necessarily on the same side. <laughs> So that's nice. Wow. Anyway, like Nintendo, definitely, they're really good at some things, and then they make the most bizarre decisions.
3: I guess it's the phone really... app kind of makes a weird kind of sense, because, I mean, you wouldn't necessarily want to give these random internet assholes your real phone number. <laughs> I but, guess that's true. But yeah. but having having the... Having the voice chat through the phone network means Nintendo doesn't have to have the, oh, have to deal with the overhead of dealing with, with voice communications like at all.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I guess so.
2: I like how, I think it's destiny has a, like a phone or tablet app and that's like the map that you use or it is a way for you to have a, like a map in your,
1: Oh, that's like a, like huh. you have a HUD where you prop kind up of. your iPad next to the TV Yeah. Oh, neat. or something. It's it's like a, it's like Bungie's answer to HoloLens. <laughs> uh, what about you, Riff? What have you been playing?
3: Hmm. I have not really been playing much apart from the assignments. I played a little I played like the the intro mission of that board game, Kingdom Death that came out recently. And that's that's What's that really all about? cool and flavorful. What kind of game is it? It is it's a it, it sort of alternates between um, four player or well it's it's completely co op four players, so it's as many players as you want down to one. Um, four player tactical combat against boss monsters, and then that's interspersed mm-hmm. with like settlement management, like crafting and, uh, and tech trees and stuff like that. Um, but the, the major part of it is, is fighting these monsters. Um, it's, it's super, um, I don't know, like colorful, flavorful because every, um, every monster has its own deck of attacks that it uses and, hit locations that that your characters might uh, might hit when you're when you're attacking it and they're all fully described in the flavor of that monster. so like if a monster attacks like the the thing I fought in the intro is this is called the white lion and it's like this huge albino lion with like weird human hands and um uh, So it if it uses when it when it attacks you draw a card for what attack it's doing, which might be like, I don't know, lunging swipe or something like that. And if it hits your guy, you roll a die to see the hit location, so it's lunging swipe to the head. And if that was your last head hit point, you're then rolling on a serious injury table, which gives even more detail because anything might happen to you from like minor concussion to head exploded. so you get this entire like little story about what happened in, in a fair amount of detail for a board game and conversely when
2: this doesn't sound like a board game this sounds like a this sounds like a, an rp like a tabletop rpg yeah yeah
3: it is basically a gm less tabletop rpg it, it, the, with the, um, the converse element with uh, when you're attacking the lion like you you pull a uh, a hill occasion card so it might be like the jaw so and if and it has like the little description of you know if you attack the jaw but fail to hit the the lion might respond to that by biting you in the head or if you hit and do like a critical wound you might knock the jaw clean off and that becomes a permanent situation where now the lion can't use bite attacks anymore and so crazy all this it It really paints like sounds very
1: dwarf fortress.
3: (laughs) Yeah, it's it's it really like sets up really dramatically like the story that's happening. Like I started keeping notes of what was going on round to round, and it came out as like a really interesting story of what happened to these characters. Because like one of my guys got knocked down and then was like blown away by like a this crazy roar attack that. That the that the, the lion did which sent this guy into shock so bad that he had a seizure and broke one of his own ribs and when he stood back up he had he had he had he had gotten an insanity out of this and the card i drew was coprolalia so basically this guy stands up <laughs> sp- spewing like profanity <laughs> And he just ran straight in to attack the lion again, and got his head exploded. So, like the his, I guess his last word was just "fuh." <laughs> yeah, it's super fun.
2: And you ju- have you just been playing it solo?
3: Yeah, it works really well solo because it's, I mean, because it's all uh, it's pure co-op, so you don't have to really worry right. about it. It's just a matter of playing four characters, so you've got a little bit more bookkeeping to do. But, uh, yeah, and it, it does a huge, um, like it, it, it is also kind of trying to get you into the hobby of building and painting miniatures. It, it comes with a huge pile of, it's like, God, I don't know, like a good five or ten pounds of plastic of, of just all these different <laughs> screws yes. of miniatures to put together. And a lot of them are, Uh, modular of like all the different kinds of armor that you that are and weapons that are in the game so you can put together a figurine that totally matches whatever gear loadout you have on a guy you just put on him like the the white lion gauntlets and the screaming antelope chest piece and give him the the bone long axe or whatever and you can (laughs) just build this this figure these figures they are about an inch and a half tall
1: what? See, yeah, you, there's no way you could make. It. <laughs> you could see like, oh, those are lion gloves.
3: They're super detailed. It's it's uh, it's not like when we were playing Blood Bowl in high school, or I when I was playing Blood Bowl in high school. I don't know if any <laughs> of you guys did, but the the miniatures technology has gone up in leaps and bounds. These things are scary detailed, and the parts are like how, how tweezer can be? size. <laughs>
2: Yeah, like how can there be gauntlets? That just doesn't make any sense I mean, for a figure that size. Well,
3: it's it's gauntlets plus arm and 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 then like the wrist oh. ends in like a little hole that you put on that you plug in the hand that is holding whichever weapon you want it to hold. And then the other end is like where it attaches to the shoulder that is wearing whatever piece of chest armor you want him to have and so on.
1: It's like a, the detachable hands on Lego figures.
3: Yeah, yeah, they're actually not not entirely unlike ridiculously detailed <laughs> glue together Lego guys. Because it's like here's a couple legs, here's a chest, here's a head.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. Wacky. Yeah, it's wild. So Blood Bowl was the game where like you have a. Uh, a surface with, like, an indentation at the bottom, and you both, like, spin tops.
3: Oh, no, that's... And the uh, tops, like, bang against... blades Beyblades. That was a little bit after my time. Blood- okay. Blood Bowl is, like, uh, it's sort of like a cross between American Warhammer football. football? Yeah, it's like Warhammer football slash rugby, as as envisioned by, okay. by British guys who aren't super familiar with American football. <laughs> so, like, knives are permitted <laughs> and things
0: and they don't understand that it's not, that not played by orcs. Is that not
3: true? Yeah. Is <laughs> <laughs> are, are
2: knives not allowed in regular football? Not yet. In America?
3: Not not okay. yet. We'll see we'll see how the whole bread and circuses thing shakes down.
2: <laughs> <laughs> they release white lions out onto the field. Yeah.
3: I'd watch
1: it. That's just the team name though. Sure.
2: What about you, Zach? What, uh, what have you been playing in your 15 hour flights and before?
0: Basically nothing. I didn't have any, uh, I didn't have any internet on the flight and I, I wasn't anticipating not having internet on the flight. So, uh, I, uh, just, I didn't get my computer out the entire time. Um, I played a bunch more of that underhand game and then I sort of got everything out of it. Like I managed to summon all of the gods once and then I sort of played one more game to see what the bonus cards were that you got from the the very last God that I summoned, but uh yeah, it makes me wish there was more of it because once you've once you've done it all, there's not yeah, I, really any reason to keep going.
2: I also played that and unlocked all the gods and then was wondering is there any point to it once you've unlocked everything or is it is the whole point of the game just this sort of these like little puzzles and then you're just done
0: I think uh, I think that's it. I would, uh, I would like to play a sequel. I would like to, uh, I would like for those people to make more of that stuff.
2: I found the a lot of the god summoning to be very frustrating in the sense that I would sort of figure out the sequence and then just be trying to execute on that and be off by like one card after spending rounds and rounds and rounds, finally getting to the end of the of the like sequence and then just be kind of pissed and have to start all over again. Um, And you were right that like there are definitely some some sort of initial loadouts that they give you of cards in your deck that uh, I think make it nigh impossible to actually complete the tasks sometimes.
0: Yeah, it seems like it picks a Um, bunch of cards that are going to be like the basis of the deck that you're going through. And sometimes those cards are like, all really bad and so it's just well i'm just definitely gonna lose no matter what i'm trying to do this time
2: you you do really want a mix of cards that will provide you resources and cards that will take stuff away and it's that was not immediately clear to me early on that you you really really want to have control over the size of your hand in both directions by um Sort of having a, a sort of versatility of cards in your deck. Yeah, um, it's. I, I really the, the like the card puzzle game idea is really neat. I I have never seen anything quite like it, and I and I enjoyed it. But I do wish that it was just something to do after you'd sort of completed the game and gotten unlocked everything.
0: You normally don't like a game with a card metaphor.
2: <laughs> well, but this was just a card game, right? Like. It wasn't, I didn't feel like it was trying to be something else. Yeah. It wasn't using cards as a, I mean, it was, the cards were thematically, you know, telling a story or whatever, but.
0: uh I mean, it's cool. It seems like they could make more stuff in this engine and I would like them to, and I would like to play it.
2: Yeah. It's definitely super neat. Did you play anything
0: else? No, not really. I just, I spent so much time playing the assignment yeah it's a it's really kind of <clears throat> I, I definitely feel yeah. all consuming for everyone I know and me
3: <laughs>
2: uh i played a little bit of the stranger things um iOS game uh it's pretty good I don't know if you've had a chance to look at it at all yeah a little bit
0: it, for for a um, free game uh and for an adver game it's kind of impressive kind of, it's yeah it's pretty impressive.
2: Um, I only, I only played it for like uh, 45 minutes or whatever, um, just before the show. Uh, but
0: I, I was really getting
2: into it and I, and it, like, it seems like it's going to have a bunch of systems that I like. Uh, it's like slightly arcadey style combat and then some like puzzle fights and stuff. Like it's pretty cool. A lot of, a lot of hidden collectibles and things you have to figure out and puzzles. And is this like a Zelda kind of a game or <sighs> it's not quite, it's not arcade style combat really. Um, but it's similar, uh, it's you know it's sort of in between Zelda and uh, I'm trying to think if there's what else, what other thing it's kind of like because it's not like you just go around and swing a sword you because it's designed for iOS you like tap on an enemy and depending on sort of which character you're in control of at the time your attack will either be to head towards them and try to hit them or like throw a rock at them or whatever. Um, like a JRPG or uh maybe but it's not turn-based. Huh. It's it's real
1: time. Interesting.
2: Yeah, so that's what that's what, it's 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 strange. It's it's not exactly like any other kind of game that I have played. Um you're not moving around with like a D-pad. You don't have like buttons to like swing your sword or whatever. Um so it's it's neat though. And it, it uses that limited toolset. You're you're much more powerful when you're at full health, so you you really want to be careful about taking damage. Um, and there are like sort of, so far it's only been sort of puzzly type encounters, but there's, there's rooms where the the doors get locked and you can't leave. So you have to, you have to figure out how to defeat the enemy or enemies in that room with your available resources. Um, which is neat.
0: Yeah. I, Um, I I found it impressive, but I'm just not like I would play it if it were not on a telephone, but as it is, I just on a phone. Yeah. I just don't have any interest in like, playing that kind of game on my phone.
2: It's definitely very easy to accidentally tap on something you didn't intend to. Because uh, the, the the size of it. It would probably be a lot better on an iPad. So you could probably install it on one of the demo iPads for the PAX Australia
0: oh, yeah, demo I could just sit station. There and, I could just sit there and play that instead of demoing the game at PAX. Man, there you go. You know something that... bothers me a little bit is that our PAX booth is flanked by big American flags indicating that our game is from America. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Can you
2: just take those down?
0: I probably am not supposed to. So I think what happened is there is a section of PAX Australia called PAX Rising, which is supposed to just be Australian games but there just weren't enough games that wanted to be there to fill it up. And so they kind of repurposed it because every game that is not from Australia has a, has flags flanking the booth of whatever country it's from. Um,
2: well, there's also a bunch of, maybe that's one, of, maybe it's one of the laws, right? Cause there's also <laughs> a bunch of like, you must have a game rating on your, your, all your advertising, uh, and if your game isn't rated, then you have to make sure that people know that it's not rated. And and uh, you have to wear an orange safety vest yeah, when you're loading You're, load not, allowed in to be, you're not allowed to be
0: on the show floor during load-in without wearing an orange safety vest. Which I, they, they said they were going to make you buy, but they just gave me one. So now I have a cool orange safety okay. vest as a souvenir of my trip to Australia. Oh, it's a
1: gift. Ooh. It's like a, it's like the robes in the hotel. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's, and that's why you end up paying so much for hotel rooms. <laughs> right. Uh, so everyone – so maybe maybe it's like a team sport. Maybe some people got purple safety vests and, <laughs> you, you know, you don't find out until you get there. And, and, then
1: and a purple person tries to murder you on site. There's a brawl. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
3: Here's your safety vest. Here's your unsafety knife.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It only works against people wearing vests of the opposite color. <laughs> um. So, yeah, the assignment that we all spent a bunch of time playing, except for maybe jam. I don't know. You didn't seem as excited about it. As I was, I, was. I
1: put a couple hours into it, and the whole time I was like, I wish I was playing Shenzhen I.O. Really? Yeah. Did you finish all, the, all of Shenzhen I.O.? I did. Well, I didn't get, I didn't, finish the um well i didn't even start the bonus when you you at the end of the campaign you go to the bonus city uh which when i played it wasn't filled out with puzzles okay Mm -hmm. and then like more recently i went back just to see what's out there um and the first puzzle was really hard and thematically boring and it was like (laughs) "Eh, let's let's," it was like like build a like a deep-sea fish loader or something like that. <laughs>
3: deep-sea fish loader? To load them into your fish gun? <laughs>
1: <laughs> something like that. Uh, and um, like, this is going to be tough. I'm curious what's next, but not enough to actually put time into this puzzle I don't care about. Um, and so I, I haven't gone back to it since then. But I did finish the main campaign.
0: The name of the and this game is, is Opus magnum, it's, magnum, by the way, because I think no one said it. Yeah, oh, the
1: name of the assignment, yeah. b- and it's by the same developer as, as, yeah. as Shenzhen IO, which is why I bring it up. Like, yes. like a lot of this game reminded me of that game, like structurally and presentationally, and like the histograms at the end of the level to see how you compared in your performance. Uh, one thing this game does that's really cool, and you probably know this if you've been on Twitter or other social media <laughs> recently. Uh, is that you can trivially make uh, animated gifs of your puzzle solution and share them? Yeah, and they're
2: really cool to watch. So it's yeah. it's a neat thing to yeah. just like, pop into your feed. Yeah, that that's kind of. And everybody's solutions are different. Like yeah. everybody comes up with different ways to solve these problems. Yeah,
3: I'm it's still only only in chapter two of the game because no matter how hard I try to tell myself that, look, <laughs> just push on through to to the next puzzle and don't worry about. Trying to get high, high scores on optimization until, until you come back at the end. But even, even thinking that way, I can't, I can't bear to make a puzzle that doesn't look good. <laughs> you know, it's like, I, I don't want, <laughs> to, right. I Aesthetics don't wanna, are important. yeah, I don't want to build a machine that looks stupid. I want it to be a little bit cool. And so,
2: <laughs> I guess so we, even though we could explain what the game for, is too.
3: Yeah. So basically the, the idea is that you're an alchemist who has a weird alchemy machine, and what it does is it moves colored marbles that represent uh, elements like earth, air, fire, water, salt, uh, and lead, uh, moves them around on this hexagonal grid with little mechanical arms, which you program using a sort of step timeline symbol kind of programming language. Like a Robo Rally type game, and uh, the idea is to to bond these little atom marbles together into more complicated products, which are then ejected out. And uh, yeah, and every time you finish a level, hard. it gives
0: you a bunch of graphs of how much you, how much the components of the machine that you built cost how many uh how many steps it took to finish the level and how much space the machine took up while it was operating. And yeah. so it's sort of it, it ends up There's it, no it histogram the same for that, how uh, cool it looks, though. Yeah, there isn't. Uh, it, it's the same thing that of did, where it's like a you against yeah, your friends for for efficiency yeah. and stuff. stuff unlike unlike this this is a thing that I can actually even finish the levels of which... Uh, I sort of. <laughs> infinifactory Factory was a real uh, was a real Kevin game, and I feel like this is a Kevin game too, but it's also an everybody else game.
3: I mean, Kevin's kicking everybody's asses at it,
0: so that's true. But uh, it's still fun. I have decided to just press through. I'm I've I think just gotten to the last chapter, um, and I kind of don't care whether my machines are efficient or look cool as as much as I. I kind of want to just play all the way through it to learn what I can from doing that before I go back and try to start
3: optimizing things. Hmm. Yeah, that's I most times (laughs) I just,
2: I just started by making a a thing that was like cost efficient. So like the, the barest minimum machine that could build the, 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 the end result and just made something that way. Cause that way you sort of get a sense of if there's going to be any sort of weird hiccups that you're not, that aren't obvious from trying to construct it. Uh, and then after that, I'll try to optimize for area or, um, is area cycles. just
1: the number of hexes you have covered.
2: It also includes anything that, that any hexes that get passed over by any part of the machine or product. Okay. Um, so swinging stuff around and it's even put like partial hexes. So like so swinging something around in a
1: circle, will get a bunch of hexes, um, That, like, I guess it's it maps pretty well to like, here's the size of the box you would need to contain this machine. Yeah. Yeah. The area of it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think this is by far my favorite Zactronics game.
2: Really? It's way more accessible than, than sort of the 3D stuff in Infinity Factory and also the like deeply like core programming stuff in like shenzhen or yeah i feel like that
1: game like is specifically for programmers (laughs) yeah yeah and i don't know that's probably why it hooked me
0: even space cam which is very similar to this like just doesn't yeah it doesn't feel as cool because you're not making like jewels and shit you know yeah it's (laughs) The theme is also the theme is also well, really and, and good. Like you get this these little dialogue sections where you know you're in a sort of a steampunk universe and like you're yeah. building materials to like outfit a thief to rob a a, a place, you know, and and it's yeah. I don't know. There's just yeah. something about it. One of the Fun. things that impressed me that the was... most is there are. Every level has these sort of conversations between characters. There is also a conversation that's just sort of like a playful ribbing between the character that's you and and one of the first NPCs that you meet that is associated with the options menu. Like when you go into the options menu, (laughs) there's also just like a little conversation that happens.
3: Oh, I never noticed that.
0: About options.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That is really cool.
3: It's it's well The theming was one of the things
1: I... I liked a lot about Shenzhen IO as well. Just like, it's like near future cyberpunk where you are like designing a vape, a light up vape pen. <laughs> you know, it's just, <laughs> this is, yeah, this is probably what engineering work is <laughs> going to be like in the future. Like a, a heavily romanticized version of that, you know,
2: the, the justifications for the various puzzles where it's like, this is, you know, this is Viagra or, you know, a stamina potion or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just, it's super clever because, I mean, it could be, like, the flavor could have been anything because these are just super abstract concepts. But it really, like, just gives you, I re- it, it, just having this little narrative makes it so much more
1: enjoyable. Well, that was actually one thing that didn't work for me was just, like, the the, the theming didn't match at all what the machine actually did or looked like. Like, I'm making face powder Mm -hmm. And that's just, that just basically means like a specific, like this, this marble has to be this color. Right. And it takes a certain number of things for this marble to be this color. But like it, that's very, uh, separated in my head, at least from like the concept of face powder.
2: The, all of the products make sense given the thing that you were trying to make, like, like. When you're making threads, they're all super long chains of things. When you're making... Okay,
1: I, I, I didn't get far enough in the game to get to the part, point where it was complicated enough to... Okay. To
2: like, be, explosives have a, a new different kind of bond okay. to them that, you, yeah. that isn't like a standard one. That's yeah. always between fire atoms or whatever. Um, there's a There are a bunch of neat machines that they give you only in later levels that... Just create just different kinds of ways that the puzzles can unfold, Um, and they're they're pretty fun. There's one in particular where you're uh, trying to like because one of the early things you do is make turn lead into gold, Um, and then you can. There's a different kind of machine that doesn't use quicksilver but can just take lead and slowly work its way up to gold. But it's it's like a power of two kind of problem (laughs) because you you use two lead to make uh, what's the next one up from lead uh, ten. iron I think tin and then two, two more, two tin to make one iron, mm-hmm. two iron to make one copper and so on uh, so if, they, if you start with one uh, <clears throat> one source lead you can make gold out of it but it takes a long time to do so
0: um I made the most absurd machine for doing that. I I was optimizing for not having to do a lot of coding for that level, and so I ended up <laughs> with just a, a bunch of things that only had four instructions, but did Hell, Yeah, just, that's
1: not something that measures, which would be the sensible metric
0: yeah it just it it just is incredibly inefficient but like it never got in its own way and i never lost track of what was happening while i was building it which was kind of what i was optimizing for yeah because when i tried to make a cool version of that machine i just really got into the weeds
2: the yeah the length of loop that's a really great metric that would be that would that's a whole different way to optimize is just can you do everything in a four in
1: a four loop four instruction loop yeah, and that sort of maps to just the number of cycles, kind of like, yeah,
2: I guess y- you're, you're wh- if you're doing it right. I feel like your your goods your short cycle, your minimal cycle things are also tight loops, um, yeah. but not always. There's there are a handful, especially of those like thread based ones where it pays to break out of the loop at the very end to save a bunch of
1: cycles. One thing that I um, wanted to do but couldn't figure out if it was possible was to have, like, two processes that were out of phase with each other so that um, uh, one machine was doing an important thing, like, in the first half of the cycle that it had set up in the second half. A single machine. Well, and then there was another machine that's the other way around. It's doing something that that's the setup is in the first half and the important operation is in the second half. Huh. Um, and if it were playing like in the like after one repetition, everything would be going smoothly, but because you can't play the second half of that second machine like a half a cycle of it first, right. that second machine doesn't get set up.
2: If it, yeah, if you require reagents to to get that thing moving, then yeah, because like I'll often have machines that start off grabbing nothing.
1: Okay. Yeah, that sort of thing is what I like, and and in my experience what that means is that like it just breaks so if Mm. you
0: try to move a machine along a track past the end of a track it doesn't complain so what you could do is just start the machine at a distance and then move it into place have it move in midway through the first phase and then when it tried to move into place later it would just stay where it was okay that makes
2: sense kind of neat actually I like that yeah yeah, that could work. Because there's
0: not a lot of there's not a lot of things that you can do that just like, hey, do this or do nothing if you can't do yeah. this. Um, right.
2: Yeah, there's no logic. There's no if then stuff, which I think would be fun or useful. And no like I really wanted the ability to define short loops that I could repeat instead yeah. of having to Yeah. Because as far as I could tell, the repeat option was just repeat everything that came before this. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of undocumented not what I features
0: that make it a lot easier to make <clears throat> complicated things like you can select a bunch and then like command drag on the Mac to copy a bunch of instructions so like
3: mm-hmm. something that
0: I would happen something that would happen a lot is I would build a machine with a normal piston and then think ah shit I need one of the pistons that can move in and out or rather you know a normal arm instead of a piston arm and then have to just like really painstakingly recreate all of the instructions on a new.
3: Oh, element. if you if you just drag the new piston on top of the old piston, it it, it keeps all the old. Oh programming.
0: man! Wow, really? You no, know, there right. are
3: so many undocumented
2: features. Yeah, yeah Jesus. And it's like,
0: Why wasn't there? Why didn't this come with a PDF that you could print out with all of the undocumented features in a right. crazy <laughs> in-world document like?
3: <laughs> yeah, and, and then
1: also stuff. have like even further undocumented features because thematically the game's set in a foreign country <laughs> and the real documentation is in that language. Yeah. I, yeah, I I love this game. I think it's great.
0: This game is very 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 good.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. I'm I, so happy that Zetronics is is making new stuff. Yeah.
0: I feel like in the past I have been pleased with the idea of Zachtronics games and I really want them to keep making games because I think that the stuff that they do is very cool in theory but this is the first time I have just been like man I want to keep playing this game and playing it and playing it and playing it Like, I am excited about the idea of being able to do user created challenges later on
2: <laughs> yeah I I started designing one and I was like you know this is just the meanest possible puzzle. <laughs> this is just done. Like it, it was like a giant complicated golden thing where all I gave you to start with was lead. So for each oh, gold no. you'd have to do the like lead the the lead to gold complicated transform and then you need like Fifty gold to complete the thing, yeah. and so I
1: was like, eh, "Maybe this is." I guess designing puzzles in this game is just like specifying the starting like, here's what you have to work with, and then here's products, the-
2: reagents, what what machines you have, and then you have to actually solve it yourself before you can upload it. Yeah, yeah. just de- m- yeah. building that's, a that's real simple. garbage
0: machine that just kind of randomly organized a bunch of shit, and then just deciding, okay, this is the puzzle. <laughs> right and publishing (laughs) it that way it just seems like the cruelest and best way to design levels for this there
1: so kevin That's, that's like all the mario maker levels that get voted to the top for some reason right
0: you would have solved this if uh i think kevin do you know in the options menu it seems like there's like a secret code you can type in Oh, is there? There Well, so there's in the options menu, there's a thing that says puzzle archive, and then it's just like four buttons that don't do anything when you click them. Uh-huh. And so I assume that there is some kind of unlock sequence that you learn. Later on, there is, you get a note that has, that's like a coded in a message. cipher, and part of it is underlined. Yeah. And I thought, oh, that's going to be the solution to that thing. But then it's like, no, there's a bunch of things in there that aren't in the list of buttons. So I What have- about
2: that four for the, the on the top of that sheet there's that four digit sequence that's written out.
0: Uh, maybe that's it. Yeah, I don't know.
2: I'll have to go. I didn't even I didn't notice. I like I saw the puzzle archive thing but I forgot to to go back to that after I finished the game. Huh.
0: Well, ex- that's cool. Exciting. Yeah,
2: story. I wondered I like I wonder if that cipher is a is a real cipher
0: and whether that's there's something to do there it didn't strike me as one because there's not enough there's not enough symbols and it didn't seem to be arranged such that there were two symbols per character but who knows you know I mean well it, it could be remember when we designed that confusing two symbols per cypher two symbols per uh, like two cypher symbols per plain text cypher except for one
2: No. <laughs> oh, yeah. right yeah, I mean it could be each one represents a, a number, and it's in like ternary or something. Or I don't, I don't know how many distinct symbols there were. But yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, so, Riff, what is our next assignment?
3: Oh, our next assignment is uh, suggested by Justin Bortnick, which is uh, Doki Doki Literature Club, which is a some kind of anime-style visual novel that. It's on Steam for Mac and PC and it's free and apparently it takes about two hours to play but is not for children or people who are easily disturbed because apparently like in the last half or quarter of the game some real disturbing shit happens which is what makes this weird free visual novel uh, worth playing apparently. If you were easily disturbed the game might throw
0: you into some sort of a doki doki panic.
3: Oh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> what does doki doki mean? It's the onomatopoeia I... for the sound of a beating heart, so it's like excitement. I see. Okay. That um
0: is not what I think of a heart as sounding like. Like, if Edgar Allan Poe Doki, was like, dokey, 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 he heard, it scared him. Well, maybe, no one maybe would they that. have a different like, one for scary
3: heartbeats as for cute heartbeats.
0: Uh, okay. <laughs> so that Green Day album is really just about somebody with a heart condition. <laughs> <laughs> the
2: notion that your, uh, your heart sounds different, whether it's like beating out of like exhaustion from exertion or from uh, a flutter. Cause you're, uh, you're seeing somebody that you're attracted to or something. It's kind of, it's kind of cool I like that. I just listened to a, I think it was a 99% invisible that was talking about the stethoscope and how that revolutionized medicine. And they thought that they could just figure out uh, every ailment by the different sounds that your body made
1: hmm. for a while. Cause I'm sure it's, lots of useful information yeah i was talking to uh jason rohrer uh at indycade um and it just came up that he and his sister when um they were kids they invented the term plummy to refer to skin that has like an impression on it from something like you've been sitting on
2: okay yeah yeah
1: um and uh his sister grew up to be a doctor and at some point she he asked he asked her like Okay, what are they what does like medicine actually call this? And there's no word for it because it's not a con- like a medical condition and it's not used in the diagnosis of a medical condition, so they just <laughs> never bothered to name it. Right. So it's still called plummy. <laughs> which I thought was a play on Pruny. Yeah. Uh and he was like, oh my god, I have to tell my sister about this.
2: <laughs> that's hilarious. And that's Pruny fingers are also is also weird because that's uh that's what nerves like your skin is actually changing shape to, yeah. to try to like in- improve grip. Well, the, or the thing yeah. that
1: I was surprised uh, to discover was that um, it's actually the brain sending a signal to the fingers to, to change shape. It's not like a, a process happening in the skin. Right.
0: Yeah. Like if your hand is paralyzed, if your hand is paralyzed, it doesn't happen. And
2: yeah. it doesn't happen to the rest of your body, right? Like you yeah. get, you, you can spend all day in a pool and, your your whole body doesn't get all weird and wrinkly. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. Or maybe it
0: should. How
3: weird that would be.
0: <laughs> yeah, it would have been a lot easier to do the Freddy Kruger So only the first time, though. Like, yeah, after yeah, that, I you'd be ready. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Half an hour. and Yeah,
3: and then you'll be drowned and we'll use your body for...
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe that's how Freddy died. Yeah, they just filled the boiler room with maybe. <laughs> Maybe any time
2: you carry something with a body part, it, like it develops this this habit. So if you start carrying things with like your chin, between your chin and your chest, and then you go into the pool, your chest and your chin will get all pruney. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That makes
0: sense. sense. Or if and you, you do that thing where back you hold problems. an egg yes. between your knees and have to walk with just your- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, that thing. <laughs>
2: I've done the I've done eggs on spoons. I've never done a, an egg between the knees. That seems like it'd be really hard.
0: No, that's like the birth, yeah. That's like a birth imagine control, a birth control method, right? That they used to joke about uh. for women. <laughs> just keep hold an egg between your knees all the time.
3: Oh, I always heard that as an aspirin between your knees.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> That's also good if you have a heart condition. Right.
1: Microdosing,
2: microdosing aspirin. aspirin. It's uh, through good. your
0: skin? It would eventually just, it would burn holes in you.
2: I wonder if it gets absorbed into the bloodstream or if it's just burning away skin. I, I took care of a wart that way. I had like a tiny wart on my hand and I just crushed aspirin and uh, applied it to that and put a bandaid over it and did that for huh. a month and it went away. Did it hurt? No. Huh. You couldn't feel it at all. It's just slowly burning it away because it's uh, aspirin. Is what acetic uh, acid or whatever?
0: Well, it probably did. It probably did hurt. It's just that you had aspirin on it, so it didn't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> painkillers. Do
1: you have a scar there now? Nope. Wow, it's just gone. It's aspirin is just the universal healer. Well, like it'll get rid of any
2: ailment. A, a doctor told this to Zach as a way to do it once and he's like no one will as ever tell you to do this <laughs> but this is how i would do it and i was like well if a doctor would do
1: that then this, this the doctor is like i'm not speaking in my capacity
2: as a, as a doctor,
0: doctor basically but yeah. as a person yeah <laughs> right which that's as cra- a severely mentally ill person who secretly wishes <laughs> all of his patients were I- dead <laughs> i would tell you
1: yeah you, you just get the the dog antibiotics on amazon and <laughs> And you multiplied by your body weight anyway. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If you look at like reviews for animal antibiotics on Amazon, they're all full of scare quotes. Like it worked great on my dog.
3: Wow. <laughs> huh.
2: We're going to have some really amazing super viruses. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's going to be good. My dog couldn't afford, afford its copay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, guys, this was a fun show.
2: Yeah, uh, thanks for joining us from uh, all the way on the other side of the world. Yeah, sorry for the awkward End delay. Tomorrow. I should
0: have more interesting stories once I've been uh, once I've been in Australia for more than twenty four hours. Although, well, I hope you have a lovely be, time. Pax is going to be a lot of me standing there at the booth all day.
1: You can just record while you're there while you're manning the booth. That's true.
2: Take take the Zoom. Do some do some uh, player interviews. Yeah, good idea. Uh, well, thanks for joining us, everybody. Uh, we hope you had a great time listening to this terrible show. And uh, if you didn't, then you won't. And if you join us again in the future, then you'll be here. And if you aren't here, then you didn't hear this message because you're also traveling backwards in time. Uh, CockabooBooBallia. Kookaburra oh CockabooBallia. Ooh, good night.
0: Good night. <laughs> We yeah, I was gonna
1: say we didn't we didn't thank our Patreon backers. Okay, uh, <laughs> thanks Patreon backers.
0: Such Pat. as your name here, Leon Paul Backer. Hogan, <laughs> Nicole Kidman, Mel Gibson,
1: Hugh the entire <laughs> cast of Field of Dreams.
0: <laughs> what is the guy who Mel? Oh, I get it. It's a pun. Yep what is the guy who played uh lord humongous who was always at comic con that's the only other australian i can don't remember
1: just check the patreon backer list you'll see him okay
0: bye everyone thank you yep bye (laughs) later have a great week everybody I think the delay is making this bad, and I'm not sure it makes sense to do. Oh, I'm sure it makes
2: sense to do. See, from our point of view, there's no delay at all; it's perfect. But, I mean, the, like, the, <laughs> and with the magic of editing, I feel like
0: this episode is going to be filled with like 15 second silences.
2: Not, not if we edit it Oof. tightly. Uh, the last, uh, I've I've definitely done that in the past, and it's been fine you remember that episode that I showed you with with like a bajillion cuts it's gonna be great